Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. Today, we're talking with uscfootball.com beat writer and columnist Dan Weber about USC's huge win uh, over Penn State in the Rose Bowl, 52-49, last-second field goal by Matt Boremeister. We want to talk to Dan about that. You guys have sent in a absolute ton of questions, and we're going to try to get to them all. If you have any more questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. You can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, and click on the left side of the page. You leave a voicemail there. You can call our voicemail line at 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. So a lot of ways to get a hold of us. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on Audio Boom, uh, TuneIn Radio. A lot of ways to consume the show. Hope you can go on there and leave us some positive feedback. We really do. Appreciate it. So let's bring in uh, Dan Weber and get to talking about the game. What is up, Dan? How are you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, taking a, maybe two days to decompress completely, uh, but uh, that was that's a good uh, a good decompression after after uh, after Monday night. Just terrific. Yeah, it was uh, just the emotion on the field was absolutely amazing. It was a crazy, crazy day. And the fans, it's, you know, it was a whirlwind for the fans. And you can see when, from we're going to go through the questions, they're all over the place. Um, you know, I mean, just, it's kind of crazy, but for the most part, people are excited. And, uh, we'll, we'll just jump right in with the questions, Dan, because, you know, there's a lot of thoughts on yep. the game and we'll get in there. Paul in Vegas wrote in, he said, let's get this, uh, out of the way up front. Uh, most exciting game any of us have ever seen USC win. And for me personally, this goes back 50 years. That said, do you agree? Uh, to get to the next level, our defense must improve. Our defense certainly had its moments all season long, and I'm proud of them. But in comparison, the two teams in the national championship game allowed seven points combined in their semifinal games. In this fan's eyes, that's the kind of defense that propels teams into the championship picture. The two best teams we played this year scored way too many points on us for us to be considered a championship-quality team. Your opinion on this, please, Paul in Vegas. Yeah, no question, Paul. Uh, as good as, as much better as they got, uh, I think the uh, month off hurt them. I think badly, uh, hurt the defense. I think obviously the field did. Uh, Penn State had three really athletic players, none of whom USC had an answer for until the end. Now they, they did, they did come up with the answers for, you know, Barkley and, uh, and McSorley and, and, uh, Godwin at the very end. Uh, you know, where was that, uh, you know, during the game? Uh, I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think they're gonna take a look prepared, you know, for this, uh, game and say, you know, what we do on offense and how we stay sharp maybe isn't the way we do it on defense. I don't know that you can take off more than a month and put a defense on the field against somebody as good as Penn State with three you know, lead players that good and hope that they can make a tackle full speed under not good footing, uh, the first time out of the box. Uh, 
I think they're going to have to figure out a way to prepare the offense one way, maybe in the defense the other, another way. Uh, I also thought the offense was hurt. I'm sure Penn State was loading the box, but I think you've got to block the run game better with a with a senior team like that, uh, or at least relatively senior uh, team. Certainly, extremely experienced, big and strong team. And you know they blocked some plays well on the run, in the run game, but uh, in general. You know, I would have liked to have seen them able to run the ball a little bit better. Uh, gosh, only knows what would have happened to Sam's game had they been able to do that. But I think the two places where they needed real physicality, they didn't have them. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll, I think they'll learn from it. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, the, uh, I guess the, the problem for Penn State, uh, and they were trying to get to Sam Darrell and they could not. Um, or they would get them, get there and Sam Darnold would get away and, and get rid of the ball. Very frustrating. But it was also the same thing with Trace McSorley. The USC pass rush had a hard time getting to him too. And Percy wrote in and said, here's the one resolution I wish for the Trojans. And he put in all caps, a freaking pass rush. Oh, congrats on the win too from Percy. So. Yeah, well, they rush. <laughs> how about instead of freaking, how about effective pass rush? I mean, but when you think about it, there were 82 combined passing attempts in that game, and there was one sack. I mean, Penn State was distraught after the game. I mean, they had 39 sacks. They're quick. They're aggressive. They do some really interesting things, and they got to Sam zero times, and they found that hard to believe. So, you know, it wasn't just USC. Uh, that was having, having some problems. Uh, those two guys are going to give you problems. I mean, Sam looks at, for example, it's obvious now the more we know about Sam, he looks at a pass rush, an all-out pass rush, a big-time pass rush as an opportunity. You know, he's like, okay, they'll have fewer people down the field, and I'll get <laughs> to throw the ball on the run, and, man, I like doing that. So it's probably hard to get ready. For Sam, it's probably hard to get ready for McSorley. I mean, if, you know, if you wanted to compare McSorley, let's say, and Browning is, is similar-sized guys and, uh, you know, underclassmen, that kind of thing. McSorley's just so much more elusive, so much, you know, much more of a running threat. And uh, so you had to be aware of that as well. And did USC contain the edge against anybody? No, not well. How much of that was the field? How much of that was technique? How much of that was rough? Uh, I think a little bit of everything, but, uh, uh, you know, PS Rush improved. I don't think there was any question. It just, that was a, a freaky game in, in so many ways. And, uh, it, it was what it was. At least USC had the, the lone sack of the day. So that's something. Yeah, that was, that was a little something there. Um, Robin in Virginia, he said, Hey guys, I hope I'm not too late to get this question in for the podcast with Dan Weber. Hell of a game. Uh, so great to see USC win the Rose Bowl. Who figured we'd be here after a one and three start? My question is about something I think you guys mentioned, uh, where Clay Helton said he doesn't regret starting Sam. Uh, he doesn't regret, I guess, not starting Sam earlier in the year because he was afraid Max Brown would transfer. So what? Because he transferred anyway. And they didn't need him. Uh, so do you think Helton knew Sam was the better quarterback? And would USC have beaten Stanford had Sam started that game? And would USC be playing for the national championship? Thanks again. 
a great season and all you do fight on uh, Robert uh, Robin in Virginia. Yeah, I don't think Clay ever said it was the transfer issue uh, that that made that decision. I know, I, you know, he met, even if he thought it, he wasn't going to say that. Uh, you just can't say that. I mean, I just think uh, there was yes, were they beaten Stanford? Probably. Uh, they still weren't completely ready to play. Uh, I still don't think they understood who they were. Uh, as I said, you know, early in the year, if you decide to go with Sam, you've got to coach and scheme to Sam's skill set. And I don't think they'd completely done that yet. I think they were moving in that direction, obviously, by letting him, you know, do the, uh, uh, you know, short yardage situations and the red zone stuff. But, uh, as I was, as I mentioned in the column today, I don't think there was any way that you could say uh, definitively in August that Sam was the better prospect to start the season because Sam couldn't show what he could do until you had live contact. And you can't have live contact on the quarterback. But but So you really don't get the same pass rush. You don't get you know people coming bearing down on him the way they do in games which plays to his advantage. I mean, he, um, and so you get guys who run by, let's say you're, you're in the scrimmage, he's got the yellow jersey on. You get guys who run by, and they'll reach out and touch him, and that's the end of the play. Well, in a regular game, guys will reach out and try to touch Sam. That's not the end of the play. So the things he does so well, the scrambling, the looking downfield, he could show some of that, but I don't think he could show it to the extent he could show it in games. And, you know, partly that's just his unbelievable, you know, cool demeanor under pressure. I don't think, I don't know that there's any way you can do that in August practice without taking the kinds of risks that USC has kind of, you know, conditioned itself not to take. And, and no teams really take those risks. But USC of all, because of the limited scholarships over, you know, in the past few years, so, uh, you know, had they, had they had, you know, a scrimmage where they just said, you know, tackling on the quarterbacks, okay, we're going live, we're going to play it like it's a game. And, you know, if that happened and, and Sam got hurt or Knox got hurt or whatever, everybody would have been screaming. Uh, it was, it's kind of a, you know, you're taking a chance. I mean, you know, Nick Saban started the other guy. Uh, against USC. Now, with his defense, he could very quickly go to, you know, the Hurts kid. But, uh, USC was in a, in a position where it was, was difficult. You know, we were there every day. And you could make the case, and I, I know I said this, probably the case is better for, for Max. Um, if USC could do what they thought they could do, now, once they found out they couldn't do it, they couldn't block. For example, they couldn't block Alabama one-on-one to save their lives. They had no ch- no chance, which takes away the run game. Once you took away the run game from USC, you probably had to start rethinking it right away. The problem was the second game was Utah State, and it didn't matter. And now you're going into Stanford with kind of the same offense that you had going into uh, UCLA, Urban UCLA, you know, what I'm thinking there, going into Alabama. And just, you know, the timing wasn't right. Uh, and 
because they hadn't had probably enough chance to, you know, allow Sam to really, uh, you know, show you exactly who he was. And hindsight is great, but uh, I think it would have been a difficult situation uh, to bench Max that early uh, before Stanford, for example. He'd have been one and one, and it was Alabama and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you, you couldn't determine for people to say, wow, look at Sam Donald until you actually, you know, turned the team over to him. Once you did, it was obvious. Yeah. But, uh, but the team, that offense they're running with Sam wasn't exactly what they were running against Alabama. So, you know, now, <laughs> you know, when he gets picked as the most valuable player in college football in the entire country, you know, by the Columbus Touchdown Club and gets the Archie Griffin Award, it's like, duh. <laughs> well, yeah, he's really good. I mean, as I said, in today's column, maybe next year he'll be good enough to make one of the all Pac-12 teams. Although, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> we have uh, Stephen Poway. He said, I know it's fun to reflect on the skill player's performance in the Rose Bowl, but how important do you think Stevie T's contribution was to the Rose Bowl victory? In some ways, uh, wasn't it like having a 25-year-old NFL nose tackle playing for the Trojans? From what I could see, he was blowing up the Penn State offensive line. And then a follow-up, do you have any insights on how Stevie T came to transfer to USC last June? If Clay Helton played a key role in his decision, I think that may have been Helton's second most important decision in 2016, right behind uh, changing starting quarterbacks in September. Fight on, Steve and Poway. Yeah, you knew Penn State was in trouble when you talked to their offensive linemen during the week, and they couldn't come up with a single person that reminded them of two, that they had played, who reminded them of Stevie T. And you know, they played Michigan, they played Ohio State. They couldn't. They said, you know, we haven't played anybody that looks like him on film now. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think Clay and everybody. I mean, I think we heard toward the, you know the end of spring that they were really looking. They knew they needed to fill that spot in, and here's Stevie T, and he's he's on a, you know, on a, a Utah team where, you know, they have a lot of good defensive tackles. They rotate them. None of them get you know tremendous exposure in terms of, um, uh, well, like stats. And let's say they've already they already had the younger Lotilele guy as their you know feature guy, and they thought. They didn't even need to start Stevie. Now, I'm sure they're looking back and saying, you know, maybe we should have started Stevie. Uh, and I know there were people at USC, you know, some of, on the, on the board, on the peristyle who were like, well, the guy's not even a starter. What, you know, big whoop. Well, and you could see he developed an understanding of what he could do in this defense as the season went on. And he became more and more and more of a factor. He was studying more film. He, you know, that there were things that this defense was going to allow him to do if he could do them. And he took that challenge. And the other thing is he was such a leader. He, you know, he, he could say things to them and they all listened to him. They all respected him so much. His attitude was, he was like, you know, he's like a, a great assistant coach. Uh, and, uh, you know, for a new coach like Kenichi Yudezi, um, he was the perfect, uh, you know, compliment, I think, and, and showed what he could do in that, um, you know, when you're you're the nose tackle and you lead your team in tackles in the Rose Bowl, uh, you're really doing something. So yeah, he, he just kept getting better and better. 
hopefully the NFL guys recognize that. I mean, there there are defenses who need guys that are, you know, basically 6'1 and 340. And, uh, you know, people like the, uh, you know, the Patriots have figured out how to use that kind of a guy. Now, all, all defenses don't want that kind of a guy, but, but for the NFL teams that do, they'd be just absolutely crazy not, uh, you know, to pass him up. Now, again, never, uh, overestimate the intelligence of the NFL. I mean, you know, the Rams took all year to figure out Jared Goff was worth six, you know, six players in a trade. And, uh, you know, so you wouldn't want to bet that they would get it right, but uh, that game has to have really, really helped Stevie, as it should have. I mean, he's been that guy all year. He's such a great attitude guy. He will, he he'll get on an NFL team as a rookie and be one of the team leaders immediately. He's just got that kind of a mature. He's funny. He's cool. He's smart. He's, he's just got so much going for him. Uh, he was a, a gigantic addition to this team. They wouldn't be where they are without, you know, Stevie T. Couldn't agree with you more, Dan. Um, Tarek, speaking about another, uh, you know, good player on the team on the defense, Tarek wants to know, Michael Hutchins will be greatly missed next year. Do you think John Houston can bulk up to around 235, 240? Uh, he has the frame and the athletic ability. No, not, he's not a 200, you know, if he got to 230, everybody, in, you know, at USC should be jumping up and down and just thrilled to death. He's kind of a lean, he more of a, uh, a Sua Cravens, uh, you know, type guy. And, you know, Sua tried to bulk up and it just didn't work. Uh, and I don't think, I don't think that's his body type. Uh, but then, you know, Michael was, was lucky if he got to be 220. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he 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 wasn't nearly as quick as as you know as John is so you know uh i think they can figure out a way to use him at far less than 235 or 240 i think he's got a feel you know he's he's looking like he's feeling good on special teams he can track people down you know i don't know if if you know they're in complimenting cam you would think he's the kind of player that could compliment Cam. I don't know where they're going to go with Jordan Iosefa. I think all the linebackers are, you know, exact spots for all of them are kind of up in the air. I think it's going to be that, you know, well, what combination works the best? And um, and I don't think they're necessarily going to be able to replace Michael Hutchings' leadership. I mean, every time you saw him this year, you realize, okay, this kid played at De La Salle. That's what you're getting. It, you know, it took a while for him to get his chance, but smart and tough and, um, and so respected by, by, you know, this team. Uh, he will be, he'll be tough to replace, but USC's got some, got some talent there with, uh, some physical skills that, you know, it may not include the big bulky guys, but I don't think they needed the big bulky guys, uh, in the Rose Bowl. They needed, you know, quickness, quickness to the edge. You know, quick diagnosis and, uh, and sure tackling. And when they got that in the fourth quarter, everything turned around. Where it was, especially the second and third quarters, I have no, I have no idea what happened to it. Uh, never, never saw anything like that. The seven, seven straight scores. 
questions. And I don't know that we'll ever see that again. And, and yet somehow they got it together against a team that specialized in playing, you know, second halves and end of game. So, uh, and you got to give credit to Michael Hutchings and his leadership and his, you know, his big play there at the end. Yeah, the big tackle for loss to uh, force the final punt. And, then, of course, USC tied the game there. Um, we got one from our buddy Nick. He said, hello, Trojan fans. This is Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the P. Uh, well, what a game. Enough said there. My question is simply, uh, was this the best Rose Bowl game you have ever seen? Because it was, for me, being live at the Rose Bowl. Fight on from Nick. Yeah, I mean, I... I uh... And like the, you know, the one that nobody wants to talk about, uh, it was, uh, it, it had, you know, some real highs and some real lows. I think the, you know, the Texas game had more on the line and USC, uh, you know, if it's possible, uh, screwed up even more, uh, when it really counted. And obviously, again, the officiating was bad and the, Skill guys on the other team played great, and there were some coaching, you know, situations you'd maybe like to take back. Although, I thought, you know, when you look at where Clay was in, in September and where he is now as a game manager, clock manager, uh, decisive in what's going to be the next play or when are we going for it and when aren't we going for it and all that, his growth in the last three months is just uh, is absolutely amazing. And you know, as we were saying at the time, he didn't have much more time than that. He, you know, that was about as much time as he had left on the clock at the end of, uh, uh at the end of September. And he made it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think it's about just, you know, the Phoenix, the uh, fourth quarter, uh, all those kinds of things, uh, I think was certainly the best, you know, I've seen. Yeah. Hard to, hard to argue. Best one that USC's won. You could say that for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, okay. We have Bear Secutor wrote in. Since I know you are an aficionado of bad refereeing, uh, wanted to get your take on the game. And so he goes, do you agree? And he gets five points here. He said, the offensive line holding and wide receiver stiff arms to keep backs away are like strike zones. They change from ref to, from, and game to game, ref to ref and game to game. And you need to adjust. Uh, Stevie T did grab the face mask. Yeah. He, I think he did. Camp Smith uh, had to leave the game. Uh, with the helmet, the helmet contact. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the roughing the quarterback call was totally undeserved. Uh, USC players were either sliding simultaneously or McSorley, uh, with McSorley or making obvious and, uh, largely successful effort to avoid him. Um, and then have you seen a fumble scrum recovery overturned when video only shows one outstretched hand pinning the ball to the turf before the whistle was blown? Uh, what is the definition of a recovery slash possession during a fumble? Um, and there's yeah, more that he yeah, didn't mention there, Bear Secutor. Yeah, Bear Secutor. I think, um, actually, I think on the roughing, uh, the quarterback, they, uh, you know, uh, Utena, who, who it was called on, missed him. I mean, he, you know, completely sailed over him. I mean, it's just a horrible call. And, and that those always get, you know, I think those were, I think that was reviewed just because of the possibility of targeting. It wasn't clear what the hell they called it first. Uh, uh, you could say, you know, it's like the strike zone, the pushing off and using your hands if you're a receiver and, um, the, uh, um, what else is the, uh, oh, and the holding. But, uh, you can't just call it one way. I mean, you can't, you know, 
let one team benefit to the extent of the other. I mean, the Penn State guys, he had to literally run over the USC kids and never look at the ball before, you know, the, you know, the pass interference was called. Uh, let's see, uh, uh, on the fumble recovery, you can't make that call. I mean, that guy should never be allowed to be in the booth again. I mean, it wasn't visible on replay. And the officials on the play said it was Stevie's ball. Now, Stevie owned up to, after the game, that the guy did get his other arm around it and curled up on the ball, and Stevie yanked it away. But that wasn't visible. I mean, I don't know. How did, how did, how did that play get overturned if there was no visible evidence that Stevie did that inside the pile? And if the officials two feet away couldn't see it, the guy in the booth can't make that call. That was a big play. Turned out USC forced the punt. They didn't let it throw them off. But that was a that was a you know that was a play that they were going to have to you know punt the ball uh, deeper and sooner than 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 they did, and uh, they can't make that call. I mean, they basically look to me like you know your typical over their head Pac-12 crew, where they just weren't sure they wanted to make a play. I mean, at the end, those two pass interferences that were so obvious that you know on Penn State, the nearest official didn't throw his flag either time. I mean, come on. What are you doing? I mean, and I do think at that time, going into that drive, it was 10, 10 uh, penalties on USC, three on Penn State. Now, let's say Penn State was physical. They were tough. They were coming at you, you know, with everything they had. And to have them with just three penalties, I mean, it was, it was pretty blatantly one-sided, and that's a shame. Uh, and they needed to get it better. And, uh, you know, too bad. Uh, and I, carefully, they, they ran by me at the, at the end of the game and they all had a look on their face like, damn, I, this was a great game. I wish we'd done better. I know I'm reading it into their faces, but it didn't look like they were feeling like they were part of this great game, but they were kind of the negative part of this great game. They looked a little sheepish, a little embarrassed. As they should have been. Yeah. Matt wrote in and said, It appears to me that several blue shirts were very important uh, parts of this Rose Bowl winning team. What, if anything, does that mean for the future of this recruiting tactic? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, that is uh, that is Sark's gift to the USC program. Uh, of all the things that, you know, in the wake of, of Sark's time here, that's the one uh, we can we can thank him for. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when you've got, uh, Deontay Burnett and, uh, uh, you know, Matt Bormeister, who is, I guess he's, uh, one of the all-time greats. He's a red shirt, a, uh, a gray shirt, and a blue shirt. <laughs> and, like the history of football, I don't know that anybody else has done that. Uh, uh, Clay even said, and I don't know that we picked up on this, that Stevie T, the way they did it, also turns out to be a blue shirt. I, um, so, uh, and I'm trying to say, oh, and Daniel and Modern Baby. So, so you had a couple of guys transferring without scholarships. I mean, that's one of the reasons Stevie T had to sleep in his car and he would show up for the, you know, the summer workouts, uh, and, and couldn't go through the early workouts with the coaches because, and had to do his conditioning on his own because he didn't have a scholarship yet and wasn't on the team. So, uh, how important were they? 
really important. I mean, you take away Deontay and Matt and Daniel and Stevie, and uh, USC doesn't win that game. You know, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, uh, certainly. And I asked uh, Clay Helton about that on the conference call. And, yeah, he, he's the one that brought up um, Stevie Tuikolovatu, too. So the two transfers last year. So it's funny, with Stevie Tuikolovatu, um, he was a blue shirt. So his initial scholarship counts towards the class of 2017. So February, you know, the February 1st is signing day. He gets one of those scholarships, one of those 25 go to him, though he will no longer be on the team and he won't count as an overall scholarship. So it's funny that the way they delayed his initial counting, so, and it'll count. So there'll be one less guy the USC can sign on February 1st, but he won't count as an overall scholarship. So it's kind of a weird thing there. Well, and again, they can keep, you know, putting it on the credit card, you know, and recruit, you know, people like they did Deontay and bounce it to the following year. You know, I mean, it's just, and I think the good news there is, you know, it's not probably going to always be that easy to say to a kid, look, we can give you your scholarship. will start, you know, on right after the first practice in August. And if they balk at that, you can say, but, you know, it worked for, you know, it worked for Daniel and Stevie and Deontay and, uh, and Matt. So it wouldn't be that much of a, maybe a downgrade as it might normally be when you're recruiting somebody and telling them we've got a place for you. We just can't give you the scholarship until, uh, which would mean no summer school, uh, and summer workouts. Uh, with the team when the coaches aren't there, but not with the uh, team when the coaches are there. So, you know, I think it can have some impact, but I, I just think, you know, if they have to do it, they're going to do it. Yeah. Let's see. We got uh, our buddy Dan, USC class of 1962. He says, Happy New Year, and thanks, as always, for the great insights into all USC sports, especially football. I've seen either in person or on television every Rose Bowl game, since 1953, when USC beat Wisconsin, and I can say unequivocally that this was the game for the ages. USC has had many last quarter victories, including Doyle Nave to Al Kruger, uh, went over Duke, and the Hayden to McKay went over Ohio State. But this was by far the most sustained and exciting game that I've seen. It was similar to USC versus Texas, uh, but that was a USC loss. All USC fans hope that this tremendous victory and the potential for next year's team We'll bring in a top recruiting class, but my question is, in addition to signing recruits on the first Wednesday in February and spring practice, what will the returning players and coaches be doing between now and August to prepare for next year and stay in playing shape? Uh, like Coach Helton said in the Rose Bowl game, fight on is more than just a slogan. Fight on. Best wishes, as always, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I think one of the neat things after the game was you know, not only that the seniors won it for themselves and having gone through everything they've gone through, the, both the fourth and fifth year guys, but so many of them have said, this is our gift to the young guys. This is a, a, a case where we got to show them this is how you do it and what it means to, you know, to be here at USC. And, and that was kind of throughout many of the players uh, that, that, that they were saying to you, you young guys, and I know there were young guys like, uh, oh, 
Oh, the Florida kids, uh, Jamel Cook and Pai Young, who were just, you know, maybe some homesickness uh, involved uh, early, who were just thrilled that and telling people who had said, no, nah, give it some time, you'll be fine, and then telling those people, man, that was the best advice we ever got. This is so great. We're so glad we're here. So and I think I did in my just, ask, uh, just saying today, listed all the guys who could show where they, you know, where they're going to fit in next year. And the list is, I think, the longest we've ever had at USC that I can remember, as long as we've ever seen at USC, uh, in terms of guys who you think really can contribute next year, really can contribute this spring, and haven't really gotten the chance to. I mean, it's a, it's a terrifically uh, long and Nick pretty talented uh, group of guys on, you know, offense and defense that this is where you show what you can do. And I think one of the good things that Clay has done is he has really, um, uh, he plays guys who it's not, it's not, you know, you're necessarily going to play based on seniority. You're going to play based on, you know, where they recruited you or any of that. It's you're going to play based on how you convince them that you're the guy. And, uh, you know, I think, I think I'm really looking forward to spring ball. Uh, and I think they're going to compete like crazy in the weight room as well. I, I just think this is the, the path has been, you know, uh, you know, the, the seniors, the older guys, this team has kind of shown these guys the path. And this is the way you do it. This is how you get there. And I think, you know, there are going to be so many of them that are going to have a chance to fill in at, at so many different places um, that you're going to see, you know, just a ton of competition, and that's what it's all about. I mean, Pete Carroll could not have been more correct that it's all about, you know, it's all about competition. And I think there's going to be a lot of that, you know, with the young guys on this team, and a lot of that, you know, will, will attribute to the uh, the older guys showing them the way and, you know, and Clay recognizing that. I think they really figured out, I think they figured out um, in-season practice really well. Uh, I think the you know the the long time between the end of the season and the bowl game. Uh, I think they'll work on that a little bit. Uh, that's a whole different thing, and that's something that for some reason, and I don't even exactly know how they did it, but Pete's teams got better uh, in the time off, and I think that was carrying the competition thing through and I think it's been a little tough for USC because of the the numbers and, and all the issues that they've had to maybe make it as all out competitive as it needs to be but uh but I think it's I think the numbers are back to where they can where, where, where they can do that but uh but I think there's going to be a lot a lot of stuff happening in the off season you know for this team because they know how much it matters I mean, this is a team that's probably going to start, you'd be shocked if they're not in the top five uh, going into the season. So for everybody in that position, it really means a lot. I read a column today about, oh, it's going to be tougher next year because it's uh, one loss and so many, there are going to be so many expectations and one loss and it all goes poof. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, they got themselves in a situation and, and, and the point was, oh, they didn't have any pressure this year. I'm thinking, 
they had more pressure than anybody. I mean, you know, Clay Helton was coaching under the most pressure you could possibly have. This team was under the pressure of knowing that they put themselves in such a jackpot that one more loss and basically anything that they were hoping for for the season was over. So they were in a one and out for the whole rest of the year. So that's playing with pressure. I, I think they'll handle that part of it uh, pretty well. Uh, but it's gonna be. I think this is a really neat possible off season with all the things that, that could happen and see how they how they handle it. It's another challenge for Clay, though. It's something again uh, he hasn't gone through. And the last time USC was very very highly rated, ranked in preseason, we all know how that went. So uh, it's going to be uh, another challenge and. That's good. You want to see him having to face lots of challenges. Steve uh, in, Bo- in Beaumont, California, said, Love the show. Am I right in my observation that USC did a lot more sliding on the grass than Penn State did? And if so, why? Uh, were their shoes and cleats better than ours? Well, you know, everybody, they're both Nike. And uh, it didn't look like, you know, I mean, USC wears a lot of different Nike shoes. So, I mean, they kind of let it up to the players to decide because what Adoree's wearing is not what, you know, Sam's wearing, the linemen wear uh, a, a different kind of a shoe. Uh, I don't know if it was just, um, you know, Penn State. Their guys, they have a little lower to the ground, guys. Barkley is 5'11", and McSorley, I don't know if he's any taller than that. And... uh whether that helped them a little bit or not, I don't know. I don't know that cleats were the answer. I mean, the hard thing to believe is they took out what was really a good field uh, for the UCLA game and put in a new field. And I know, well, they, you know, TV wants it to look really sharp and all of that, but it was an abomination. I mean, it, they they cut it way too short. Uh, they panicked, I think the last week because of the rain so they had it covered up uh and it hardened it hardened i mean honestly when you walked across the end zone at the end of the game you couldn't i mean i had to really look and say is this real grass it was that hard it was cut that short uh so it didn't take cleats very well i mean you know maybe golf shoes uh but uh you know and it used to be in the old days with the old AstroTurf, you'd wear kind of a rubber um, soccer style or indoor soccer cleat or whatever. And uh, I don't know if that would have helped because, unfortunately, you got enough, uh, you know, rain, moisture on the field. So now you got this hard field dried out underneath with short grass uh, that's slick on the top. Uh, and trying to figure out what would work on this, I don't know. If there's a good explanation as to the Penn State kids, you know, being a little more under control, I, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to know what that was, and we'll, we're, I'm going to try to check that out. I, it's, it's an interesting question, and uh, and one nobody's answered yet. I'd also like to answer, you know, ask, what the heck? I mean, when you think of what it costs to put in a, a completely new turf. Uh, and in odd weather conditions, sometimes, you know, you'd be better off with this turf that you've had all year because you know that turf. You understand 
where it is, uh, you know, in terms of the sun and watering and all that kind of thing. When you get a brand new turf like that, you really don't have time to work with it. And, uh, you need, you probably need to do better than, uh, you know, get something down that the TV thinks is going to really look good with the logos on, on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, need something you can play on, uh, comfortably. Yeah. And that wasn't, that wasn't the case. It was the oddest turf that I, I think I've ever seen. And I know people will say there were chunks coming out. I hadn't noticed chunks coming out so much. I just thought, you know, it was way too short, way too hard, and way too slick, yeah. which is a really bad combination. Reggie in Seattle wrote in. He said, just a quick comment today. Uh, I was a, it was a great Rose Bowl game and victory for USC. Uh, my comments on how well the seniors played, mainly Lee, Leon McQuay and how he really bailed USC out on the final Penn State drive. Jack Jones was out there, not able to cover anyone, and looked like a deer in headlights, but McQuay was there to back him up. It was almost as if USC was doubling any receiver who lined up against Jones. I sincerely hope Jack Jones has a very short memory and doesn't allow his performance to impact him going forward. Uh, great game, uh, Reggie in Seattle. Well... You got one thing right, uh, Reggie. Jack Jones has a very short memory. Oh, yeah. He was as happy as anybody after that game. So. <laughs> the last thing he's thinking about. Uh, <laughs> but mentioning Leon McQuay, I don't think anybody, even Stevie, helped himself, or, or you know, Sam maybe. Um, but I don't know that anybody, certainly for the, you know, going to the next level, helped themselves any more than Stevie did with the way, uh, or excuse me, than uh, Leon did with the way, he both tackled and pursued and then, you know, making the, you know, the, the big interception and the big return and playing like a senior. And you couldn't possibly be happier for anybody. I mean, he, you know, not everybody in Florida wanted him to leave there and he wanted USC because of the music program. He wanted USC because it's USC. He wanted to be out here and to have him able, you know, be able to finish up like that in the right place at the right time uh, for so much of the game. He had seven tackles. Uh, just uh, it's wonderful to see that. And I, I got to think he, his, uh, his draft stock has really, really, really improved and, and deservedly so he can do a lot of things. And uh, I think he's, uh, you know, playing in the system for as long as he had, he really, he really did figure him out. But, he was just absolutely crucial, to say the least, in uh, USC surviving that game. We had a voicemail question, and this uh, this person actually called in, I think, during the first half of the game. Uh, not a big Clay Helton fan, and so there's still some USC fans like that out there, uh-huh. uh, Dan. And then he called back after the game, amending the voicemail a little bit, but really not that much. I'm going to play the second one for you and get your thoughts. Here you go. Okay. Hey, Ricky McDougall, Lamarada, California. Uh, near Orange County. Um, been a USC fan my whole life. I love the podcast. Thank God there's someone that knows something about the program. My question is, is Helton the correct guy? Yes, we had the turnaround, but was that Sam Darnold? Uh, that's pretty much my uh, question. They have many holes to fill. Seems like a mediocre recruiting class in 17. And, uh, how tough is it going to be? And uh, do we have what it takes to get through? Uh, God bless. Uh, have a happy new year. And thanks and keep up the good work. 
Okay, uh, and that was after the game, man. I, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was the after the game one. There was one. There was so, a little uh, worse before the, uh, in the middle of the game. I'm not sure how how that would have sounded if he'd have made it in the third quarter. That that call. Uh, yeah, obviously it, it was Sam. A big part of it was Sam, but a big part of it was Clay too. I mean, Clay Clay knew enough that. Even without starting Sam, I mean, he did something. I don't know that I've ever seen this. Is you make the backup, uh, your short yardage guy and your red zone guy, so that Sam was in the thick of things all the way through from the beginning of the year. Even if he wasn't starting, if it wasn't his team, he was right there. And that was Clay, and that was a very smart thing to do uh, because he, uh, for Sam to step in was very not not very much of a, a big step step at all and so um and if you look at that rose bowl game you know an awful lot of it was sam but an awful lot of it was those kids not quitting you know they were down 15 down 14 uh and they just started making plays and they they believed that they could win that game and that really has to go to the head coach go to your position coaches i mean that that's something more than just okay we got a great quarterback we're going to be fine. Um, the so I think Clay has to get credit for that kind of thing, uh, you know. And that was his first big bowl game, his first big national exposure. Sure, they've beaten, you know, they beat Utah, and when they were number three last year, but that was at home, and uh, and they were clearly not ready to play uh, the Alabama game. So here, you know, this is your big. Big, big chance, and so much is riding on it. And I thought he managed the game, you know, really well. I mean, I don't know that the defense, you know, played all that well in, you know, in those two quarters. But, uh, but as far as, uh, all the things that a head coach can do and game management, clock management, um, uh, I thought, I thought Clay really looked like he belonged. He looked like, he didn't look like, uh, uh, you know, somebody that wasn't sure if he should punt or not punt or, you know, how much time was left. And I mean, just that when he explained, uh, how they knew, for example, uh, what they were going to do at the end, depending on how much time was left on the clock and whether it was a minute 30 or 30 seconds that they had, you know, different scenarios for how they were going to handle that. And, and you know, just the fact that on the, the last play before the kick, they had three different plays called. And they handled that. I mean, they took the best one, you know, got the five yards, got the half mark. And, uh, I think that's a mature, uh, a mature coach who really deserves some credit. And I think the second part was about can they take advantage in recruiting? We'll see. I mean, I think they, I think they probably put off some recruiting. Uh, I think they made the decision at the end of September. We've got to get it right on the field. We've got to get it right, you know, game by game by game. That's where our attention has to be. And if we do that, if we take care of that, uh, we'll let the recruit, we'll, ha- we'll make the recruiting happen when we get the chance. But we, the most important thing for this USC team was to have this USC season and then, you know, make it factor into the recruiting. And now they got to bust their butts and probably got to make up some ground. And I think they've got a chance, but, uh, we'll see. I mean, We'll see. They they aren't staffed up as much as as a lot of the programs uh, as a Texas is going to be. 
as Houston was, for example, under Tom Herman, and obviously as Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson, they're not there yet, or Michigan. Uh, but uh, hopefully Clay takes this opportunity, and, you know, with the desire that Lynn Swan, you know, makes it makes no bone, you know, this was a nice first step, but we want to win the Pac-12, and we want to be contending for a national championship. And we're not messing around, and I think this is the point where Clay goes to, you know, Lynn and says, this is what I need. This is how, you know, this is who I need, this is what I need, and this is how we have to do it, especially in the support staff. And, the, uh, you know, I mean, you're facing an Alabama that has basically three full coaching staff. I mean, as, as Brian said today on the P, and, and it's so obvious if you've got a guy who can who can you can drop in like Sark as your offensive coordinator in the week between the you know semifinal and the championship game, you know he's been involved in coaching this team all the way. He just hasn't been coaching in practice on the field, and he's got to be up in the booth during games. But you know Alabama has obviously pushed every loophole that they could, and you know it's paying off for him. Do we want USC to probably ever go to the extent that Alabama does? Probably not. And probably USC doesn't have to. But I think they got to push a little harder in, in some of the staffing areas. And uh, I think, you know, they have to have nothing but people who believe that USC is going to win a national championship every year they go into the year. I mean, and, and that's that's a high bar that, you know, and a lot of people said, you can't have Clay Helton coaching you because he's not a national championship caliber coach. I think, you know, the door there is, is, is clearly open. But I think what would make, what will make Clay a national caliber, national championship caliber coach is if he goes in there and you really want to ask yourself, what would, you know, Saban do here? What would, you know, Meyer, do? I mean, if they get shut out in Ohio State, and they've already hired two new, off- you know, a quarterback's coach and a, a new offensive coordinator. I mean, they don't mess around. And I think USC has to have some of that, uh, not exactly cutthroatedness, but that just, you know, I mean, look at Saban. Who else would take a chance and dismiss your offensive coordinator after the semifinal game for a new guy uh, just because he's, convinced that it wasn't working the other way most people would say man that's just too big a risk to take you know i just saving nah he's gonna do it yeah Urban Meyer's gonna do it you know harbaugh probably gonna do it uh he's probably gonna have to replace a lot of coaches that you know he already lost one to ucla but i'm not sure how many people want to you know want to keep coaching there just you know with their their gene schedule alone traveling the country they're not gonna be allowed to do that but uh, these are people that take advantage of what the rules let you take advantage of. And I think USC has to do more of that now that they're back, back in business and back on sound footing. Um, now they gotta, they gotta push. And, and this is the time for Clay. I think he's in a position where he can push and I think he needs to. We have a couple more for you, Dan. We'll let you go. Uh, uh, Iman wrote in and said, I don't think it's Iman Marshall, but. He said, uh, okay. <laughs> was Pat Hayden at the Rose Bowl game? And did he attend any practices or team activities? And how is his health? Uh, great work this season. Thank you from Iman. Iman, those are good questions. When you ask people at USC, they don't seem to know. I mean, and, and it's not, he wasn't at any practices that we saw. Uh, 
but his health, when you ask, they don't get an answer. I mean, he's not around very much. Uh, maybe once a week. Uh, his office is not on campus. It's in that bank building that USC took over, like a mile and a half from campus. And uh, I would have guessed not at the Rose Bowl, but I, I really don't know. I, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I'll ask around and see if we we get an answer. But I don't know that I heard from anybody that there was a Pat Hayden sighting. So uh, till we hear differently, we'll just you know assume that he maybe was not. Yeah, we uh, I mean we saw everyone everyone from the athletic administration down on the field that didn't see Pat Hayden. So I, I doubt he was no. there. Uh, one last one for you, Dan. This is a uh, voicemail question. We'll end it with this one. Hello, Ryan. Coach Hyde. Dan. This is Ed Duncan up in the high desert. Well, I wanted to call in and commend the men of Troy. What a wonderful job they did in the Rose Bowl. I, I haven't got my voice back yet. We certainly want to pay thanks to Coach Helton for the magnificent job he's done. His coaching staff, T. Martin, and Pendergrass, uh, our defensive coordinator. What a great job they've done. Wanted to give our kids a little advice from an old guy. Stay in school and get your degree. Don't go into NFL with all your hopes on making it in the NFL. Everybody's a superstar in the NFL from the worst team. There's no worst team in the NFL. All of them are good teams. It's just some are, are better than others. So I'm hoping that these kids will stay in school and get their degree and maybe we'll really, really see something special next year. Anyway, fight on Trojans. What a wonderful New Year reward you gave your fans. Thank you so much. Ed Duncan signing off. Hi, Desert. Great advice, Ed. Thank you. Uh, I, I think where it becomes a hard call is if you're, you know, we were just talking with, before we got on with Ryan about, you know, Adori and Juju are both, uh, you know, first round in some places and others not. Uh, you don't know what to believe. I mean, they, you know, they get some things right and they get some things really wrong. And, you know, these kids are, when they're talking to, you know, people who want to represent them, they're all saying, you know, you're going to be this and you're going to be that. Um, I think, you know, it's wonderful advice to get, you know, for them to get their degree and to finish up, uh, at USC. Uh, but it's also, if you want, you know, if your career is to be a National Football League player and you think you're ready to go now, it's probably hard. It, 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 that's not our call. And it's probably something we, we really, you know, we can advise them, you know, if you say, I don't know that you're ready, but it's not our call to say, you can't, you shouldn't go. But as you said, uh, the advice to, to get your degree isn't a bad one at all. Uh, uh, I was at the, uh, college, I mean, excuse me, Rose Bowl Hall of Fame induction Sunday and, uh, Bobby Bell, the great Minnesota, uh, All-American tackle, Outland Award winner, college and pro football Hall of Famer, uh, Super Bowl winner with Kansas City, all the great things he's done. He went back to school and got his degree when he was 74 years old. So uh, uh, I think it's wonderful advice. 
you do worry about, you know, some kids who start realizing I'm definitely going and then, you know, kind of take it easy in their classes or leave themselves a little farther away from graduation than you'd like them to be. But, uh, yeah, I think it's good advice. But, you know, there has to be, like, for example, if you're a first-rounder and you turn that down to come back, you'd have to have, like, a really specific reason that, that makes sense there. Uh, I mean, I could make up the case that if Adori decided I can have a longer career and be financially more successful as a uh, as a slot receiver and a sometimes running back and a return guy, and maybe I need to do that for a year to really show that, uh, and maybe you know a cover corner isn't my place to you know you know I may have the Thorpe Award, but I'm just still not sure that that's the you know the the spot that's best for me. You can make a case to come back, but. But I don't know that you really want to make the case that, you know, it's really good for the team or it's good for the fans and all that. That's just, you know, these guys have to make up, you know, their own mind. And, you know, they've been working for this, you know, since they were little kids and knowing what they, you can't be in this position if you haven't thought about it a lot. So, I mean, there may be one or two guys that, that make the decision to, to leave that you say, oh, gosh, I'm not sure if that's good for them. But I think that's the way to look at it, the way you did. Uh, what's good for them? What's the best thing for them? Uh, I don't know that we should be factoring in what's best for, for USC. I just think they get to a point where it has to be what's best for them. All right, Dan. Well, great stuff. We're glad we could uh, give you a couple of days of decompress and then you know jump into all the Rose Bowl discussion because it it's been a lot, obviously. And uh, we've got a long off season to kind of talk about everything, but wanted to get your thoughts on all the questions uh, that people were sending in. So thanks for coming on. And uh, that's why, you know, the show is totally dependent on you guys' questions and lots of good ones. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for thinking about it. And uh, and uh, we really appreciate it. We certainly do. And appreciate you, Dan, for coming on and everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.